I, I did notice, Helen, when you spoke earlier, you said about that perhaps new things, and then Rob's going to come along and give us some old things. Is that what you actually said? That's how I heard it, and I'm thinking, is that to do with my age? This ageism. Great. Okay, so we're going into our second in the series on prayer. I thought it'd be useful to just put up the sessions that we're going to have so you know, okay, because it's very difficult to be totally inclusive about prayer in 25, 30 minutes. So let's just stick them up. The call to prayer, which uh, Ed spoke on last Sunday. Today it's Pray Like Jesus. Next week it's going to be Prayers of Jesus. Jesus prays for us. And then there's going to be Matt. I have got a clue what he's going to say, talking on prayer. Uh, then following that, prayers of Jesus. Jesus teaches us to pray. And then pray like the early church. And practical tools for a great prayer life. My challenge is that actually by the time we get to that particular Sunday, you're doing it anyway. And you're into a great prayer life. Okay, so it might be a little bit redundant, that talk. That, let's make it our aim that that talk should be redundant. Amen. It'll just be confirming what we're already doing. So let's have a look at Pray Like Jesus. In preparing for this teaching, I prayed. Lord, show me. Uh, lay on my heart what you would like us to share together this morning. But I also did some study as well. I actually set out to read about the life of Jesus through the Gospels. So every day in the last week, I, starting in Matthew, I read the whole of Matthew and made notes what stuck out for me from the way Jesus was and prayed and, and how that that prayer life empowered his ministry of bringing the kingdom of heaven down to the earth, to those around him. And wow, was I just blessed by doing that. My notebook, I think I had 16 pages of notes at the end. And I was, it really excited me, but it also really challenged me that I've got a way to go, to go deeper in prayer, in my prayer life. I just wanted to bring something out right at the beginning to lay a little foundation. Yes, Jesus was called Son of God, but are we aware he was actually called more times Son of Man in the Gospels? Nearly 80 times in the Gospel he's referred to Son of Man. Jesus we know, the truth tells us, that he was God made incarnate. It was God coming in human form. In other words, he came, flesh and blood, just like you and me, son of man. One or two exceptions and differences that we could highlight about Jesus. The sin line was broken at the birth of Jesus. The sin line that came down from Adam and Eve, and Ed talked about that last week, where their choice to disobey broke their relationship with God. And that sin line has been passed down through the male side, sorry guys, 
right the way down through from that very first beginning. So we actually have a problem. We're born into sin. It's in us. Okay? But when Jesus was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit, that sin line was broken. So Jesus was born in perfection. Amen? The other exception is that Jesus lived without sin. And therefore, he fulfilled God's requirement for a pure, spotless lamb to be sacrificed in our place on that cross so that we could be forgiven, set free from the power of sin and death and have eternal life. Those are the two exceptions about Jesus. All that Adam and Eve lost through disobedience was restored to us who believe in Jesus. Everything that Adam and Eve lost when Jesus died on that cross and he declared it is finished, everything was restored to us. So that like Jesus, we could have free, unhindered access into the throne room of God Almighty. Can you imagine that? Just think on that. That we have access into the very throne room of God. Why wouldn't you want to go? Why wouldn't you want to go? Ephesians 3.12 In him and through faith in him, we may, may approach God with freedom and confidence. It was done by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Interesting, Hebrews tells us about this. When, when Jesus died, it was dark. And the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the remainder of the temple, it was a great thick curtain. And it was meant to separate the inner sanctuary, the place where God dwelt from the ordinary people. And it was such a heavy curtain that what happened was that it, it was split from top to bottom, indicating this was an act of God through Jesus. It was, and the way was open for us to go in. We can go in with our hearts cleansed by the power of the blood of Jesus. When I was, we were just recently up at Northumbrian uh, prayer community, Northumbria community, okay, which is a treat center up in Northumbria. And we went for a day so we could be a bit nosy and have a look what went on. Okay, that's my wife. I went to pray. <laughs> and we, we sort of ran, we had a little chalet to ourselves where we could pray about stuff that we want to pray about. But we had to wander around being nosy. And down the bottom of the, the grounds, they had this little prayer cabin for individuals to go and spend time praying in the presence of God. But they actually had two chairs. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm quite taken with this. They had two chairs, one for God, one for Jesus, one for the Holy Spirit, the triune God, and you. And I thought... That would, that's really going to be a great help that I can sit and chat to him. Yeah. That I can tell him 
how much I like him, how much I love him. And I can tell him of what's going on and, and chat to him just like I can chat to Helen. Okay, we don't, we're not that close, by the way. <laughs> but, wow, just take that on board, board and think about how that could be helpful to, as, as a tool to get you into an understanding that God's right there. Okay, and you can chat to him. Okay. In coming and living as son of man, Jesus set aside his divinity. Okay, Jesus lived not as God, but he lived as man, could live in right relationship with God. He fulfilled all the potential and he, and he lived as an example of what we can be in Jesus. Yeah. That's why I get challenged about it. When I look at Jesus and the way he ministered, I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, that's Jesus. I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, yes. But I'm also thinking, wow, you've opened up the way for me to begin to explore living in such a relationship, ministering in that same way that Jesus lived, because he was son of man. Okay, He, he hasn't come to condemn us about our prayer lives. He's come to open up a window into his so that we can come in through the door and enter in to the same sort of relationship and prayer life and prayer ministry that he had. So don't be discouraged as we share this morning about Jesus. God's saying, this is for all of us who believe in Jesus. Yes? Yeah? So great. You're full of potential. We're full of potential this morning. Some of it has been realized, but hey, there's much more to go on and explore. So what can we learn from the prayer life of Jesus and how can we emulate him? Relationship. Jesus prayed from a place of relationship. And I'm really just emphasizing what Ed talked about last Sunday when he talked about relationship. You and I were created for a relationship with God in the same way that Jesus lived in relationship with God. Jesus' prayer life flowed out of a deep, two-way love relationship with his heavenly Father. Luke 3, 21, 23, when, it, when he went to be baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan, and it says where uh, Jesus was baptized too, and as he's praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. One of the, uh, when it's talked about, is that, and in another version in Gospels, it said, and remained with him. The Holy Spirit had found a place to rest on Jesus, a place to make his home on and in Jesus. Wow. Hallelujah. Noticed it was when he was praying that God met with him. I hadn't noticed that until I just read it, by the way. Okay, amazing how you read stuff and you don't pick on it. But I just see it again, that in a place of prayer, God met with him. But also, God affirmed him, didn't he, and said, you're my beloved son and I love you. Wow, what a depth of relationship and confidence and security that we can have. The love of God is what? Shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. 
God loving us, affirming that, knowing I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved by God. But also our ability to love him as well, the love of God, so that we can love him back through the Holy Spirit coming, making his home within us. Jesus referred to his relationship in his high priestly prayer as the back end of John's gospel. And he extended it to include believers using the same expressions. John 17, 20, 23. I pray also for those who will believe in me. Have you believed in Jesus? Yeah, give me a wave if you have. If you've not, wow, you've got a lot to come. Amen. But Jesus is now praying for you and for me in this. He says that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Jesus is praying that we would live in the same relationship that he enjoyed with the Father. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given the glory that you gave me. Wow. That's a thought, isn't it? Think on that one. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So where's Jesus this morning for you as a believer? Is he out there? Is he up there? He's in here. And as the Father is in Jesus... So the Father's in here as well. And don't forget the Holy Spirit, because God is not a split personality. He comes in his wholeness and dwells within us. John 17, 26, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and you in me. When we get an understanding, but also get the reality of knowing God loves us. Despite what might have happened in our past lives of rejection and hurt and our needs not being met, our Heavenly Father is not like that. He is perfect. And He loves with a generous, boundless love. And and when you know that through the Holy Spirit that is in you, wow, what security that brings to you. We have the same relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit that Jesus has. Okay, because we've believed in him. In John 14, 23, he says this, anyone who loves me will obey my commands. Okay, there's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. My teaching, my Father will love them And we will come to them and make our home with them. God is not afar off. He comes and makes his home within us. Wow. Our prayer life and indeed who we really are, like Jesus, can be centered in both that intimacy and security of relationship. It's taken me a long time to get there, and I've got a way to go. But I tell you, I'm a lot more secure in my relationship with Jesus than I've ever been before. Accepting who I am at this point in my life. Not trying to be like someone else, 
okay, in order to get validated, in order to be feeling I'm doing okay, but knowing that he's made his home in me and he loves me just as I am. Hallelujah. Next point we can learn, Jesus prioritized prayer. He made it the number one priority in his life to spend time with his father. Okay, that's a challenge. Jesus regularly took himself off to secluded places to pray. At key moments, he would pray all night before making decisions. For instance, choosing the 12 disciples. He prayed all night before he chose the 12 disciples to be apostles. He spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying before starting his public ministry. Jesus recognized that he needed to prioritize God in his life. Yeah. Jesus prayed when he was in personal turmoil, in anguish, crying out to God. He didn't hide his feelings from his father. Okay. Two instances that I, I can recall this. In uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, which instance, the Garden of Gethsemane is... Gethsemane is the place of the olive press where the, the olives were harvested and they came to the press and the, the oil was squeezed out of them. How appropriate on the night before he was going to the cross that Jesus spent the late evening time in prayer. And he was the olive that was being squeezed there. He was in anguish. If you, you look at it, Mark... Uh, 1434, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch to the disciples. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus was feeling total anguish, total pressure about the situation. He had a sense of what is to come. He knew what was to come, that he would be the sin bearer. Everything that is yuck was going to be put upon him. And he actually was struggling with it. Yeah, he was struggling with the anguish that that was causing him. You know, he did not want to go there, but he chose to go there. And he submitted to the will of the Father in it. And then on the cross, uh, Mark 15, 34, and at three in the afternoon, just as he was uh, on the point of death, he cried out in a loud, loud voice. I remember uh, Matt sharing this, and he, he did it very dramatically, and I'm not going to go there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Suddenly, Jesus was bereft of that relationship that was so important in his life and occupied the central part of his life because the father could not look on sin and had to turn away from Jesus 
because he was made sin for us. And that caused him tremendous anguish. And Jesus cried out to the Father. We need to be real with the Father in our prayer life. Yeah? Need to be real with him. He knows how we feel. We can't hide it anyway. But we need to be real with him and tell him as it is. But take it to him. Okay? How often, and this wasn't in my notes, but we have a difficulty with this. How often we complain to everyone but God. Okay? We have a moan. Oh, do you know what that person said to me today? Okay, and and we, we, we gossip. Rather than going straight to God and say, I'm really struggling with this person. This is how I'm feeling, God. What do you think? What do you have to say about it? Okay? Take the way we're feeling to God first and foremost in our lives. Always pray and don't give up. Luke 18 verse 1. He said this, and I think it's relevant in the way you prayed this morning prophetically up there. Okay, we, we noted what was going on on this platform today, didn't we? As Jess just moved, prompted by the Holy Spirit, it was prophetic. Okay, he said this, and Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And that not give up means not lose heart. Okay, not lose heart. When, when we're not seeing the answers in the way we hoped they'd come and when we'd hoped they'd come. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. And actually God is saying to some folks here that you've actually prayed from some difficult circumstances and you've lost heart. Because God has not yet answered in the way that you can recognize. And in the way you actually set off wanting. Don't give up heart. Okay. If that's you and you recognize it. And you feel okay about sharing that you're having. You might not even have to share the circumstance. But just go to the prayer banner over there. And ask them to pray with you. To give you fresh courage and hope and perseverance to keep on praying and let them pray with you into that situation okay if that's you thirdly jesus prayed with thanksgiving in his heart and i have to go quicker now okay um if you go through the scriptures there you'll find that every time he broke bread he gave thanks okay great at meal time just to give thanks as a, as a, you know, as a discipline, but also as heartfelt as well. And before the miracles of the feeding, the five thousand, the four thousand, Jesus gave thanks for the, for the loaves and the fishes. Okay, he gave thanks. Thanksgiving was operating in his heart. One Thessalonians five sixteen eighteen says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Okay, always without exception. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's his will for you. Rejoice, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Just a little testimony. Um, 
I was a pastor down in the south, and being in church leadership is a tough place, okay? And I was really looking forward to our holidays, hooked the caravan up, stuck the kids in the back in the, uh, in the seat belts, and we were on the A303 outside. It was pre-seatbelt days, but we had seatbelts, did we? We didn't have seatbelts in the back. Oh, gosh, that shows how old I am. You're so right. Okay. And um, we were on the A303, and have you ever been past those caverns that have jackknifed? We jackknifed on the A303. And I, I can tell you, I can feel my hair going up as I remember it. The gouge in the road is, was still there for many years. We passed it, and it was a really good reminder to me. And, and it's, it's like slow motion stuff and going down this hill and the caravan going... And I think, oh. My wife, you know, I'm trying to drive and whatever. I was praying inside, but she's saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But we jackknifed. Car nosedived, the caravan whipped round, and you know, thank God, even though we had no seatbelts in the back, our children, and they were only young, totally safe. No one was hurt. We were told that four ambulances were called to be on the way for this major pile-up. And I got to the side of the road, because we got out of the vehicle, got to the side of the road, and you can imagine the roadblock that we caused. And, and they were sort of squeezing by. And I got to the side of the road, and I said this, God, I choose to thank you for this situation. I choose to thank you that this has happened I choose to thank you, and God, I'm going to be interested to see what you do. And wow, what happened was that a car pulls up on the hard shoulder, a guy gets out, he's a Christian. I saw the sticker in the back. Okay? And he said, look, while you're sorting it out with the police, I'll take your family off. There's a hotel down the road on the left. I'll take your family there and put them there. Okay. When I got there afterwards, the police dropped me off there, kindly, bless them. And uh, he had left money. He'd given them a meal. He'd left money for me and my son Pete to have a meal. He'd offered us immediately his home in, was it Bath or Bristol Way somewhere, to go and have a holiday in his home. Okay? So, wow, that was the first answer. Okay? For me giving thanks. The second one was, it was all written off. Okay? I discovered that although I was insured to tow, the caravan wasn't insured for any damage. Check that out if you're a tower of caravans. I rang them up and they said, yes, you're insured to tow, but the caravan was not insured, only for the damage I would cause. Okay? So, so the car- we got given a replacement caravan. Okay, wasn't as good as the one I smashed up, but it was still good. Okay, I was given it. The third thing that happened was I'd been looking at selling my car, and I'd worked out I could probably get about £1,500 for it. The insurance company, and this is probably a major miracle, they gave me £2,000 for it. But it didn't stop there. Within a week of that accident, I was given free a better car than I had to start off with. So when we choose to give thanks in any and every situation, we open a door for God. Yes? Now, he can, react, he can act without that door, but I tell you, I believe that as we give thanks, it opens the door. 
fourthly, Jesus overcame opposition in his prayer life. You know, in the wilderness, remember, after 40 days of praying and fasting, Jesus was hungry, and the devil came to him. There was opposition. Before going to the cross in... um, John 14, 30, 31, Jesus said this, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. So Jesus knew that the devil was coming. And, and part of what was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane was the devil coming and applying pressure so that Jesus would not go through with it, that he would disobey God and become sin. Okay, become a sinner. He was experienced temptation like no one has ever experienced, probably. And it tells us that Jesus was tempted as son of man, and he overcame temptation as, as son of man. In other words, he opened the door that we, could not, we do not need to give in to temptation. We can overcome temptation. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize, can you say that? Emphasize. <laughs> with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus overcame temptation. He overcame the opposition. Yeah, I was reading in an article by Terry Virgo about, um, and I can't go into them all because I haven't got time, about revivals just recently. And Every revival that he identified happening since the end of the uh, 18th century through to uh, the recent, uh, recent 1949 Hebrides revival, it started with ones and twos coming together to pray. Okay? And as a consequence, God outpoured his Holy Spirit. He came down in power and millions got saved. Cues Anywhere the gospel was being preached, there were cues to get in to those meetings. Amazing miracles of healing and deliverance happened as well. And it started with people praying. Is it any surprise that the devil uses all his wiles to prevent you and I from praying? Okay, we could extend that to reading your Bible too and getting into the word of God. But he is definitely working hard to stop us. We need to recognize that we have two enemies. We not only have the devil, and Jesus talks about that in 22, 21, 31, 32, about Simon, Simon. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, and he's going to. But I've prayed for you. So we have the devil actually tapping us on the shoulder, trying to stop us praying, trying to make us so busy with the urgent and the important stuff that we lose, actually we need to pray in these, as, as our priority. We need to spend time with God. And also we have a second enemy, because we can't blame everything on the devil, and it's called the flesh, and Jesus referred to that. Watch and pray so you're not falling into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, the flesh is weak. So we have an enemy, but just as Jesus overcame, so we can overcame by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Okay, so think the next time that you think, I should be praying, but, okay, the but is coming from the wrong place. And we need to say, never mind but, I'm going to spend time. Prayer is life transforming. 
You can look at the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus' outward appearance was transformed. And if Jesus was transformed outwardly, how much more will the Father transform you and I when we spend time with him? He is at work in us to transform us, to change our countenance. Um, I'm just aware of my time. Okay. He was also life-transforming. It was life-transforming in his ministry. You realize, Chris, I'm motoring on now. Okay. Prayer is ministry transforming. What struck me about Jesus as I was reading through all the miracles and all the ministry he did, he only prayed immediately before a major miracle once. Okay? And that was in Lazarus' time. And he said, Lord, I know you've heard me, but I'm praying this so that others will know that you've heard me and I'm come from you. And then he spoke the word of command. Jesus, when he was ministering, he really only ever spoke words of command. He didn't stop and say, I need to find out the Father's will now. Is it your will, Father, that this person be healed? He didn't do that. He, out of his relationship, out of his prayer life, he had authority and power and he spoke out. And wow, Jane and I have been exploring that for a number of years uh, in, in the way we minister now, that we're not asking God We've been with God and we know what he wants to do, so we command it in the name of Jesus and it it changes it. He saw and heard what the Father was doing, what the Father was saying. You struggle to hear God's voice. We all struggle at times to hear God's voice. But actually Jesus says, my sheep recognize and hear my voice. The more you spend time in prayer with him, the more you're going to hear and recognize his voice. And it will transform you and know what he's asking you to do. Jesus walked with authority because he was a man under authority. And that was established in his prayer life with God. Is God on the throne in every area of your lives? There's one promise I'm going to just quickly give you. I put this in answer. Can we have the same confidence in our prayer relationship, in our ministry to others? Okay. Jesus repeatedly made a promise through the Gospels. He says, it's, it's Luke 11, 9, 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Okay. You can look at that and Jesus expresses that time after time after time. Okay. If you being evil know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit or give to those who ask him what they're asking for? Okay. Just go and look at that promise. Read about it every time and it will begin to change the way you pray and the way you minister. There's uh, much more we could talk about. Okay. One thing that Jesus was a very passionate man in relationship with the Father, in relationship with what he saw in the world. And one of the things that really got to him was when he went into the temple and found out what was going on. 
And he said this, my father's house shall be called a place of prayer. You've turned it into a den of robbers. And the New Testament is that the temple, that was Old Testament. The New Testament is that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that right? You can read the scriptures up there. Also, that corporately, his church is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's personal, it's corporate. And my challenge to me and to you is, is Jesus going to find, when he comes and has a little look at us, is my house a house of prayer? Is the church of which I'm a part a house of prayer? That's a challenge, isn't it? I want to leave you, and I won't be long with this one, it's a very short one, with a a challenge and also encouragement. Isaiah 64 verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. That was Isaiah's prayer for his nation as he looked at where it was at. It was a mess. Okay that you would rend the heavens and come down. And I'm asking, can we commit ourselves to a similar cry, beginning, first of all, not necessarily in the church, but just beginning in our own personal prayer life. Okay, Simply ask God to come and visit you. Can you set a time during the day perhaps in your regular time with God or even when you're looking in the mirror to put your makeup on, okay? Or to shave. Beards, I'm not too certain about you guys. Okay, do you ever look in the mirror? Clean your teeth. Something you do regularly. Can I just simply pray at that moment, come, Holy Spirit, come, yeah? Because I'm convinced That when we begin to pray that regularly, God is going to hear and God is going to move in a new dimension in our lives. And I think there will be a spilling over in that into the church. If you sense you're challenged by Jesus' prayer life and you want to go to a greater depth in your relationship and in your prayer life with God to be transformed, to be transformed in your life and in your ministry then I think it would be good to accept this challenge. When you remember, I'm going to pray. Earlier on in the year, I was, being a last year, I was challenged to every day get into the Bible. And every day since then I've been doing it. And it's, it's really helped me. And I've got the same challenge now. Every day, in some way, I'm going to get into prayer. Okay, how can I do that? Well, this is one way. If you sense that that is what you think, yes, I'm going to do this. Okay, not lifetime commitment, though it might become a lifetime commitment habit, but can you just text, email, sorry, email to office at lightchurch.org.uk and say, I'm in. But then begin to do it. Just a, a moment in time, as you remember, just... Say, come, Holy Spirit, come and meet with me. And let's see what God does, because he's going to do it. Amen.
Let's pray. Father God, if there's one thing that I want to pray this morning for myself and for my brothers and sisters, my family here, Lord, increase our passion for you. Increase our passion for you. Increase our desire, our longing for you. Increase our love for you. Lord, that we be passionate about you. So passionate, Lord, that 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 passion flows out of us also. Passionate about our near ones. Passionate about our neighbors. Passionate about this lost world. Father, we pray that you will increase our passion for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you.